Welcome to Wild Ideas Worth Living, a show where we talk to experts who've taken a wild idea and made it a reality so you can too. From people who have sailed around the world to those who've started thriving businesses and even broken records, some of the wildest ideas can lead to the most rewarding adventures. I'm your host, Shelby Stanger, and I hope you enjoy this show. This is episode 21 with Becky Mendoza of Changing Tides Foundation and Emmy Cook of Beyond the Surface. This episode was brought to you by Toad & Co. Formerly called Horny Toad out of Central California, this great outdoor clothing company makes 90% of their products using eco-friendly materials, whether it's organic, plant-based, or recycled fabrics. They also have a program called Design for Good, which totally kicks ass. They take a portion of every single item they sell and put it towards exposing people with disabilities to life-changing trips in the outdoors. Their mission also aligns perfectly with having a wild idea worth living. They're all about inspiring people to live their fullest lives, and they're rabid supporters of following your passions and refusing to settle. They also have a great tagline, which is keep good company, exactly why I started Wild Ideas Worth Living. You can check out all of their amazing products, their mission, and the ambassadors of all abilities they work with at toadandco.com. Becky Mendoza and Emmy Cook are two young women who both created awesome nonprofits that unite travelers and surfers as well as others around causes that give back to local communities around the world. Their causes and nonprofits are very different and they started at different times, but I really like this episode because they talk about how they took a wild idea to do good for the world and they both made it happen on a global scale. They've also found a way to use giving and doing what they love to impact people's lives for the better. If you have a wild idea that you think can help a lot of people, or you want to get more involved in giving back, this is a great show. I hope you enjoy it. Well, today on Wild Ideas Worth Living, I'm so excited to have Emmy Cook and Becky Mendoza on the show. Becky is from the Changing Tides Foundation, and Emmy started Beyond the Surface, which two great organizations. This week and this month, actually, we're talking about seeking joy now and finding your cause. Can't think of two better guests to talk about it. Welcome to the show, ladies. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us, Shelby. So I'm going to have each of you just tell us a little bit, kind of the kind of two-minute version of what Beyond the Surface is and then kind of how you make a living because I don't know if you're 100% full-time Beyond the Surface, how you make a living. And Becky, we know you're a badass action sports lawyer. <laughs> you own Action Sports Law and you have Changing Tides Foundation, which is new. So maybe just tell us a little bit about, so maybe I'll have you start first. Tell us like how, what you do for a living and then kind of when you started Changing Tides Foundation and just quickly what it is. Okay. So I started Action Sports Law Group eight years ago. I work with professional athletes in the action sports industry, helping them get visas to the United States. There's specific work visas for um, athletes, artists, and entertainers, photographers, etc. And through uh, my work with Action Sports Law Group, I think um, I just kind of got really, really involved in the action sports industry and um, saw that it's a community that really kind of wants to help. And um, I'm a surfer as well. And I started taking water filters with me on surf trips. And I would buy them through Waves for Water. And and little by little, I kind of just saw that it was really easy to help, you know, to, to do something to help and add a little bit of purpose to my travels. And so I basically got really 
inspired to do something more and to give other travelers like myself the opportunity to um, add purpose to their travels without it being this, you know, huge thing where you have to pay a bunch of money and dedicate an entire month to it. So Changing Tides Foundation was born from that. Um, I started it with, it's five of us, of my closest girlfriends. We're all surfers and water women. And we're all kind of in the same mindset. We travel a lot. We want to do something to help and give back. And so, yeah, we started that together. And um, it's, it's only a year old. And we're kind of just getting things started. And what's the quick mission of Changing Tides Foundation, though? <laughs> There's no quick mission, but well, not um, a quick mission. But I would do- say our, our goal is to set up a platform um, for travelers to be able to serve while they're on their travels. And then we do that by teaming up with local nonprofits in different locations where we travel to globally and understanding the needs that exist in their specific location. So we can do anything social, environmental, health or safety related. And so once we understand what the needs are of that local community, we'll work with the local NGO and build a program. Once we fund and implement that program, that opens it up to the travelers to be able to kind of visit the organization or do something to help while they're on their travels. Let's say you're a surfer and the surf goes flat or it's blown out or, you know, whatever the things that happen on a surf trip. Yeah. Um, you kind of have the option to do something more than just wait around for the surf to get good and to add a little bit of purpose to, to your trip. And, and with, with waves for water, that's so great. So you kind of were inspired by some service you were doing with another organization. And I know you went to some interesting places. Can you just tell me like a couple of the places you went that were really impactful and where you recently went with changing tides and where you're going next? Okay. So we, uh, the waves for water filters started with me. Basically I was going to Nicaragua and I, I was injured. Um, I got injured about a month before my trip. I pulled my hamstring and and I was like, am I still going to go on this trip or am I going to cancel? Because it was purely a surf trip. And and I decided I didn't want to cancel the trip. So I wanted to have another purpose. So I fundraised for water filters. I purchased them from Waves for Water and I was able to distribute 54 water filters on that trip. So that was amazing. Being just one person too. So I had some help from some girls um, on the ground in Nicaragua that I know. And, And then so after that, about a year later, I was going to Mexico for a wedding. And same thing, I took water filters on um, on that trip. I went to the wedding and then kind of went down south to where I heard, you know, mainland Mexico and Jalisco, to where I'd heard that there was really good waves and there were also communities that were really in need. So um, did that. And then about six months later, that community got struck with the, it was the biggest hurricane in recorded history, Hurricane Patricia completely leveled the community that we had been mm. working with. And so we went back there and started this massive kind of disaster relief effort. And then that kind of just spiraled into the first Changing Tides Foundation mission. So that was Clean Mexiagua is the name of it. And all of us founders were able to go on a trip last May and continue the the work that we had started. And it was, it was pretty incredible. We in total for the Clean Mexiagua project distributed 671 water filters, which is pretty, wow. yeah, it's a lot of water filters. Um, so each water filter can can produce a million gallons of clean water. So one million gallons? Yeah, each one. Yeah. Wow. So there are these amazing Sawyer water wow. filters. So Oh, we just use those on our survival trip. Yeah, they're amazing. Oh, I have my own personal one and they're, they're super awesome. So, and then now more recently, um, we're funding a, a trip called, uh, it's, it's called the Women's Outreach Mentorship Program. 
in Bocas del Toro in Panama. Um, WAMP is the acronym. We really like it. So we're hashtagging <laughs> WAMP Bocas and all our social. WAMP, um, for those of you who aren't body surfers, is, is a great expression of kind of in the surf WAMP, body surfing. Yeah. Referred to as it's the what WAMP. Happens, it's, it's what, what happens, happens to you. <laughs> yeah, you kind of get WAMPed. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, that's what we're fundraising for now. And we'll be taking a trip actually with Emmy um, in June. And I love we're really synergy. excited for that. Yeah, yeah. So this amazing. is happening in June. I have about a million more questions that I want to ask you now. <laughs> this might go a little long, but Emmy, Emmy, you're also this incredible powerhouse <laughs> and you're young. You seem really mature. For, you look young, but you seem really <laughs> mature. Can you tell us a little bit about Beyond the Surface? Sure. And how you got your start. I know yeah. you're from San Diego. I am originally from San Diego. And then you went to Georgetown, a little smarty. Yes. Well, um, I think I had a, a, a pretty good essay that could get me in of like, explaining my passion for um, human rights and whatnot. So I think that's probably what ga- gave me a, a, an acceptance versus any of my grades. I just have to ask you this really side question. I went yeah. to Emory and you, yeah. it was very similar. You couldn't surf and I was a surfer. Did you skateboard? Like, what did you do? I joined the rowing team. Oh. Um, I was on crew uh because i thought that would be exactly like surfing and no no 6 a.m 5 a.m wake up calls yeah i mean it was like dawn patrol except we were going down to a freezing river and but i made so many good friends and uh yeah i mean that kept me a little um a little bit sane (laughs) for not being near the ocean that's so funny so beyond the surface so you knew about this i guess in high school so um yeah it's kind of an interesting story so beyond the surface as a nonprofit, we address um the ocean's collapse by humanizing the issue providing tools and training and opportunity for coastal communities to share their story uh, advocate for their livelihoods and join like a global uh, dialogue about issues that are really impacting them um and we do this through a curriculum that we call coast to coast and uh, we use water sports, so surfing, swimming, um, SUP, as well as uh, participatory media, so uh, stop motion animation, photography, film, and then also creative arts, so street art, murals. Uh, wow. We also do some upcycling projects. Um, but it's all designed so that it's youth-driven, so we work with the kids in these coastal communities and eventually um, their families. Um, to really focus on the kids to become like the proactive designers of their future. For a lot of these kids, they grow up in communities that are been affected by tourism or irresponsible development, and they've never really felt like the authors of their own lives. It's they've either just been written off the, <laughs> the world history and kind of left in the dark in like a slum. Um, and we are we're really trying to kind of nurture this this um, self-valuing and self-compassion and uh, because if you value yourself um, someone else is going to value you if your community values itself and then has a strong community identity it's more likely to withstand these developers and then as well we really work on um, ocean literacy but uh, through like the power of play and storytelling so our surfing classes are as much about youth empowerment as they are about looking at the ocean like it's a playground um you're more likely to protect it that way and then um yeah it's 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 been an incredible evolution when i originally started beyond the surface i was 19 and my idea i was a a sophomore at georgetown and my idea was just to be sort of this middle person between uh these these 
grassroots um, surfing for youth empowerment programs that were just starting up. There were three at the time that I could find, and I could be sort of the middle person between them and the surf uh, industry to sort of get wetsuits or get attention for the um, participants in their programs for sponsorships. And but um, so, yeah, and then every summer I would go to visit one of these communities. So the first was Peru. Second summer I went to South Africa and then I ended up going to India after I graduated university. And I ended up just sort of staying there for about two years off and on. Mm -hmm. So where are you now? I'm now based in Peru. So originally we were focused on just surfing workshops. But then uh, about almost three years ago, I met my partner, my, my boyfriend, Nico, who is a filmmaker from Lima, Peru. And we sort of com- decided to combine our, our nonprofits. He was also doing some social projects with commun- rural communities, um, but through participatory media. So I had um, um, taken part in the film Beyond the Surface that was produced by um, Dave Holmesy and Crystal Thornburg Holmesy. And um, I learned a lot through that process of making that film that was shot in, um, in India. And um, it really opened my eyes to the power of film. And the kids that we work with in Kovalam, they don't really have birth certificates. And, um, you know, people pass away in their communities without death certificates. So if the world was just written history, they never would exist. So for me, seeing them on the screen and like the film was made on film. So they were like etched into history. And I could see how they kind of felt like, oh, that's me. Like I'm. I'm a storyteller, so I got more interested in that, and then I was invited to a workshop in Peru back in the community I first went to that summer, and Nico was uh, also at the workshop, so we just decided to combine our ideas. So this is all full circle, because I know some people from that movie, Beyond the Surface. Can you just tell us really quickly the 10-second version? What is is that film about? So it's about, like, the power of surfing in India and how it's um, about women's empowerment and um, environmentalism. Um, It's sort of told from the perspective of um, uh, Ishita Maliva, who is... um, um, the first sort of professional female surfer from India, wow. and, and um, normally surf in India. So it's becoming more popular, but definitely, um, if you're a girl growing up in a rural fishing village, you're not going to uh, likely even swim in the ocean because it's not seen as something that girls do. Um, but um, Ashita is is really an example. She comes from a bigger city in in Bombay, um, but her and her partner Tushar they have a a surf school in the south of India and um, they're working with the community to do swim classes and 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 like life-saving skills in the sea and things like that so so you guys are both doing these amazing amazing causes and they're both taking off um how many countries is beyond the surface in now so we're uh, we have two sort of year-round programs that we're really um, trying to develop in Peru, and then also um, we'll be working with one in Indonesia with a local partner, and then we ha- take our our curriculum sort of global through workshops. So we'll visit like different coastal communities. So beforehand we were sort of this network of these yeah. different on the ground projects, local partners, and now we're really focused on this curriculum development. Cool. Well, there's a million questions I have. I guess, you know, this show is called Wild Ideas Worth Living, and these are both really wild ideas that you both have executed. 
when I just wanted to start a podcast, even when I wanted to quit my job, there's been so many times in my life where I've done something that actually worked. Probably the only times I've done something that really worked. People said, you're crazy for doing this. Was there ever a moment people told you guys you're crazy or, or was there even a moment where you're like, yeah, this is going to work. Cause, cause I also had that feeling with, with the podcast, you know, there's been other things I've done in my life where I was like kind of chasing money or chasing for the wrong reasons. And it, I knew it might not work, but I was hoping it would. And I just knew it would stick. Was there ever a moment for either of you that you knew it would stick or that people told you you were crazy? I had definitely had a, a lot of moments in my legal career where people told me I was crazy. I'm, I'm a female from Miami. There's not really a lot of waves there. I learned to surf in law school. That was pretty quote unquote crazy for my environment and, uh, and for my culture. I'm Cuban as well. And so when I moved to San Diego, I kind of left a really nicely paying job and a condo and all the, all the riches and, um, and just decided that that wasn't fulfilling me. It wasn't making me happy. And I kind of threw caution to the wind and, you know, and just kind of moved out here without a plan. And so I was very, very quote unquote crazy. Um, and then when I decided to go into action sports as a female from Miami, you know, in Encinitas, uh, here in San Diego, which is like, I would say, you know, we're, we're like the Mecca of action sports, you know, major action sports, most major action sports companies are within like a 100 mile radius. So it's pretty, it was pretty unlikely for me to end up doing what I was doing as far as, you know, a creating this like action sports law field and finding this niche of getting athletes visas. And then, um, and so, yeah, I, I mean, for years and years, I'm, my dad, my parents just didn't even, I, I don't even know if they had ever seen a surfboard, you know? So they just, my dad would just kind of frequently ask me like, okay, when are you going to get a real job, you know? And, <laughs> and so, um, you know, little by little, I, I kind of started get being, you know, having a little more recognition and within the action sports industry was working with, you know, pretty major players and a lot of guys on tour and Taylor Steele and kind of all these, you know, Olympic athletes. And, um, I think after a few years, my parents kind of gave up on me getting a real quote unquote job. I think for them, a real job means, you know, stability and benefits and all that kind of stuff. And so I think with having kind of pushed through all these barriers and, and kind of, exceeding expectations, I think for my field, for me doing what, you know, a female in this field. Um, I think that when it came to changing tides foundation, it, it kind of all came in a vision. I'll, I'll kind of briefly explain this, but it kind of all came in a vision. It struck me in a moment. I think I was like picking up a shoe or something and I had this vision and I saw everybody that was involved. It was like a second, like a bolt of lightning kind of thing, like things you see in movies. Like, I don't really believe that that happens. Well, it happens. So I saw it all and I kind of kept my mouth shut. And then uh, a few weeks passed and there was, it was there, you know, it was kind of tickling there. There's a book by, um, by Elizabeth Gilbert, big magic, big magic, but she talks about, you know, um, these ideas that have a life and they come and they I'm come and go. Yeah, they, exactly. They'll come yep. into you. And if you don't execute or if you don't do something, they kind of move on to somebody else. So you might see something on TV and say, Oh man, I thought of that, you know, four years ago. And there it is. It's like, cause the idea left you and went to somebody else. So that didn't leave me. Um, the idea kind of stayed in my head and I finally decided to tell the girls that were involved and the girls are, um, Leah Dawson, 
Anna Santoro, Leanne Darling, and Gianca Lazarus, and myself. And then we have Sam Bennett and Liz Clark on our board of directors. So we're pretty stacked. It's awesome. But it was it was this vision because Leah's a filmmaker. She's also an amazing athlete. Um, and Gianca is an amazing photographer as well. So it, it was all about telling a story. So kind of back to the craziness or wild idea of, uh, of starting Changing Tides Foundation. I think once I said it out loud, everybody was really on board. Everybody, there was no moment where somebody's like, wow, you're insane. You're going to start a nonprofit. It was like, whoa, Becky, this is it. And you have to do it, you know? So it was really a huge difference from when that happened to me, um, kind of in my law career and having, I think being older, I'm 36 now, um, having the confidence to say, you know, Hey, what do you think of this idea? And, and really the feedback I was getting was, was what I knew inside already was that it was a brilliant thing. Yeah, you know, I didn't come yeah. up with it. It came to me. So <laughs> I can say it was brilliant without being cocky. No, you can, you can, you can own it. It's interesting you say that because I'm exact same age as you. And everyone told me I was crazy for quitting my job at Vans to pursue journalism, but no one told me I was really that crazy for starting a podcast. They're like, yeah, that kind of makes sense. <laughs> and this all happened around the same time. That's and so Emmy, cool. you're this like anomaly. You knew at 19, like at 19, <laughs> well, <laughs> I didn't know a lot of things. <laughs> it's kind of funny because so like my dad introduced me to the ocean when I was super young and and um he was a lifeguard at La Jolla Cove and and I just fell in love with like this underwater world and like the like feeling just I think sometimes growing up I felt like um we grew up in California at least like next to nature versus like inside nature and and it was so I don't know I just fell in love with the ocean but I struggled with like dyslexia and ADHD in school and I wasn't the best student and I had like a lot of anxiety in the classroom because uh, a lot of like I could see my peers just kind of like going right ahead with lessons and wow. I was like I still don't understand this this uh, subtraction so I decided that I wanted to be a professional surfer because I was much better at that than I was at school. So uh, I really started to pursue that. And um, that just kind of I wanted to live like the lifestyle that I saw in the magazines and whatnot. And and I suddenly had this very um, like a sudden change of heart. We did this social service trip to Mexico that my high school put on. And I went for like the social aspect because my friends were going and um and it was just an amazing thing to cross the border because it's it's a it's a very different world on the other side and it had always sort of been out of sight out of mind to me growing up downtown even and i remember we were working with this community that was living in a in a and like a, a literal trash dump and i could see on the other side of the border wall from there and i could see like downtown san diego and where i grew up and it just radically sh like it kind of popped this little bubble that i was living in and I knew that I had the opportunity from, I went to Our Lady of Peace, the high school that, you know, there's a college program like a, that you can get into. And, and I thought like, well, if, if I have the opportunity to go to university, like I could probably maybe make the world a better place as opposed to my world sort of just being all about me and my, my, my sport and whatnot. So I'd, I wrote this essay to go to 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 school in Washington D.C. and study diplomacy, and I actually got into the Foreign Service School, which was just like basically my parents were like, "You're crazy! Like that that's like a really hard school, and yeah, this has not so. been your George focus not. at all since you were younger." So I did go over to to Washington, and at first I started at George Washington um, University, and I 
had kind of this giant panic attack because for all of a sudden my world had just been focused on me and all of a sudden I was looking out at the entire world and seeing all of the world's issues and I felt completely overwhelmed and I completely lost sight of where I fit in that picture. Um, and so I actually ended up coming back to San Diego and I took the year off and it was the first time where I wasn't a student. I was no longer like pursuing surfing at the intensity that I was before and I didn't know what I was going to do. So um, I ended up becoming an intern at the U.S. Navy Marine Mammal Program and I trained dolphins and sea lions for a little bit and I worked at Bird Rock Coffee Roasters and... How did and, I not um, know you? That's why I, like, I wrote a book. <laughs> really? Oh, funny. Oh yeah, Bird Rock Coffee Roasters is the best. And... Um, and then I had a friend from university and she came out to visit me and she was like, we should just do something crazy and like 100 things to do before you die. And we found this list and we just went through one and I had a little bit of money saved and it was to go to Nepal and live in a Buddhist monastery. So we did that the next year, uh, a part of a year off. And um, I worked in this little monastery in, in outside Kathmandu and I was the art and English teacher. And it was the first time that I fell in love with like education and learning and working with these kids who had, who had just come across from Tibet were like finding refuge in this monastery and and I was their art teacher and English teacher and we just did these really fun projects and I could see like how they really got into the art and they were drawing things that I was like, wow, that came from a part of your history that that you're you know healing from now, I suppose. Um, and it was there in Kathmandu one night we, we were out and I met a group of skateboarders and they were volunteers from Skatistan. Oh, yeah. The, um, yeah, yeah, the girls empowerment program through skate in Afghanistan. So they teach women to skateboard in Afghanistan. Yeah, because there's a law against women riding bicycles, but there's no law against women riding skateboards. So so I met them and they were like, yeah, we use skateboarding and uh, for like social justice. And I was like, what about surfing for that? So it was that summer I came, went back to San Diego and I was like, okay, I'm going to go back to Washington, but now I'm not going to study diplomacy. I don't want to be a diplomat anymore. I think I'd like to kind of craft my own degree. And I think I'd like to start a nonprofit and figure out a way that I could use surfing as a tool for social justice. And um, so I bought a book on like 100 things to do. Or no, sorry, it was um, uh, Nonprofits for Dummies. And I just read the first five pages and um, I got too excited and I just incorporated Beyond the Surface like online. And then we started our 501c3 paperwork. And uh, that's kind of where the adventure began. And of course, I, I totally was, my friends were like, okay, but like, are you sure? Like you're gonna not go do diplomacy. You're not gonna do surfing. You're doing this sort of like in between um, I ended up getting my degree in psychology with two concentrations in anthropology and justice and peace studies. That's so perfect. my parents were like, so this is like a hippie degree, but like, I think, you know, <laughs> it's kind of what you want to do. And, um, and yeah, and it's just been this like amazing, uh, just, I think when you kind of tune into life and, and you're able to really harness your passion, what you love. And then I think the evolution of that is then how you can, kind of share it with others. Um, I think that's just the most beautiful thing in life. And I think once you kind of develop a trust in that, then life won't steer you wrong. Wow. I mean, so I have so many questions. So you're, <laughs> you're pretty much dyslexic and ADHD and then you're teaching English. Yes. 
which is yes. ironic in itself. Yes, and, and with books that were like from the 70s. <laughs> wow, and living in a Buddhist monastery in Nepal of yeah. all places, that must have been incredible. It was amazing. So I, I don't even really know where to go from here, except for, you know, maybe you guys can give advice. Like, is it that you get so much from, more from giving than you ever get from getting? Or, you know, what can others do to kind of cultivate their passions and not only get excited about them, but get others excited around a cause. Like what have been some of the tricks and tips you've learned? I know Becky, this is new, but you've, you've been going at lightning speed. So I guess my biggest question is like, how, how do you harness this passion to get others excited around it? That <laughs> I, I definitely have been described as passionate <laughs> when I talk about changing well, tides foundation so yes <laughs> um Urbano. it's sometimes you know it's a little bit of a challenge having so much passion because when you're talking to somebody and trying mm. to describe what it is that you're trying to do you could lose them um because you're mm. so excited and going at a million miles a minute or i can see this vision in my head but it's really kind of hard to relay what i'm seeing mm -hmm. you know to another you've person you've told me that about myself you're like shelby <laughs> slow down <laughs> So funny. I know. I'm practicing, practicing what I preach, Shubs. It's good. So as far as, as advice that I would give others um, about pursuing their passions or stepping into their passions. Or any mistakes you've made that you've learned from. I make mistakes every day. Um, but mm -hmm. I, I see them always. It's all about perspective. And yeah. I see mm -hmm. them as learning opportunities. Um, I've definitely had you know, moments in my life where I've felt like I failed or whatever it was. And, um, you know, once I was done feeling sorry for myself, which for me, it, it didn't last long. You know, I, I don't, I, I'm not good at that. I'm good at well, solving good. problems, not having <laughs> problems. So, um, so I would say, you know, really working on perspective and, and doing, putting in your own personal work and understanding the things that, um, that affect you in the way that they affect you and how you can change your perspective at looking at those things. I think once you are looking at things from a healthy perspective, everything seems doable. What's an example of that? Like, did you have to like give up something or did you make like a change in your life or? Um, well, I would say, um, I would say the, the move from, you know, where I grew up in Miami, um, you know, Cuban heritage, uh, you don't leave home. You don't like women don't even move out of their homes until they get married. You move wow. straight into your like marital mm. home. So I like, you know, there's people living 25 to 30 years old still living with their parents. Um, and that was kind of, you know, that's just kind of how it is. So for me to up and move across the country, not having any family, not having any of my culture here, I think that was a big challenge. And I think I made a decision personally. And I was very fortunate that I didn't have I didn't have anything to lose. Yeah. Um, you know, I didn't have a husband. I didn't have kids. I didn't have anybody really depending on me. It was just kind of like my parents, I might hurt their feelings, you know, and, and my friends. But, you know, ultimately I made a decision that I had, I had to do this. It was me. And that's like, sounds really selfish, but I think it was the most unselfish thing I've ever done because mm -hmm. it allowed me to, it allowed me the space to make myself a better person. You know, I don't think I was the best I could be um, doing what I was doing in Miami. And so it was a huge challenge to leave there and, and you know, come here and not really have a plan and not really know anybody. 
Um, but I think that when you do that and it's, it's, you know, hindsight's 2020, it's like, we can, I can look back at 36 and say what I did 10 years ago, you know, was, was a really brilliant decision. But unfortunately at the time I was like a scared little Mm. child is Mm. what I felt like. Um, am I doing this right? What am I doing? Am I going to have to like sell everything and go home? You know, it, it was kind of just like a lot of instability and a lot of the unknown. And I think there's been a point in my life where I changed from operating out of a place of fear mm. to operating from a place of love. That's so a like, big one. Yeah. Mm. How do you do that? Do you like meditate in the morning? Do you try to live from gratitude? Is it just this daily practice of you give to other people? Like where does that come from? Because fear is a big one for a lot of people. We talk about that on this show a lot. Yeah. Um, I think for me, Personally, I I did a lot of reading. Um, I have done a lot of reading. I do a lot of reading. I I think, um, you know, there's always struggles in finding balance in your life. I think once you find balance in one thing, it throws something else off of balance. So it's always kind of a matter of fine tuning. And I think also um, realizing and understanding that perfection doesn't exist. I'm a type A Virgo go-getter. And I'm a perfectionist and I have been a perfectionist. And um, in the last few years, I've kind of just realized that that I'm I'm striving for something that doesn't exist. And it seems now that I see it that way, it mm. seems really illogical that I did that for so long. You know, it was like nothing was ever good enough because it wasn't the best. It w- You know, I could have done this better. I could have done that better. And granted, in a sense, I think that fuels my fire to be, you know, to be good at what I do. But in another sense, it could also really be harmful if you constantly feel like you're disappointed i struggle with that too like i think the other thing for me i don't don't know if this for you is like this comparison thing like Mm. someone once told me comparison is the biggest thief of joy and it's hard in this age Mm. of like instagram and facebook and looking at what all your other Mm. friends are doing and i don't know yeah i feel like you know recently i was asked what you know if there was a moment like a moment where i felt like something really changed, right? Like a moment in my career. And and I said, I don't know when I went from kind of giving, you know, excuse me. Excuse giving a crap, me. you can cut. No, it's, okay. but it's, it's more about, about like kind of telling my clients that I felt like I didn't know what I was doing when I first wow. started working with them. I don't know when it went from me being like, I hope I said that right, to like, I'm absolutely certain that what I'm saying is the best thing I can possibly say. So really it came there was a shift in confidence. And I think when you're talking about comparison, that is another thing that, that plays into it is, um, is kind of having confidence in what you're doing and understanding that every single person is different and every single thing that everybody is doing is different. Um, and even if you think you're in the same category, you're different. And understanding that you bring something different to the table, I think, helps to fuel that confidence in yourself. Mm, I like that. Yeah, everybody's on their own path, and we just mm-hmm. kind of have to respect that. Mm-hmm. There's an amazing quote by uh, Oscar Wilde that is, um, be yourself because everyone else is already taken. And oh, I, I love that. And I think sometimes we receive all these messages from society that you're too this or you're not enough of that. And we all hear it, and I think there's a definite... Um, learning process of how not to listen to it and I think some of us spend like half of our lives trying to 
come back to our like inner child or like our younger self and saying like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm really sorry that I didn't listen to you back then or I wasn't, I, I didn't stand up for you much back then. So I think that's really interesting. So, I mean, is there any, any other advice you have about helping point people to kind of get around a cause? Yeah. So one thing that I really struggled with, especially starting like a nonprofit, like a public charity is just this whole idea of charity. I think that in our society, we see it as this vertical approach of, of like, okay, people up here have, have things and have resources and whatnot. And then people down here need those things. And this, um, even though, you know, the ideas of giving back or service or I think we need to like reconceptualize these things because I think we really try and operate. And this has been through a learning process from more as opposed to vertical approach, uh, more as a solid from solidarity. So horizontal, this idea that we are all connected and working with these coastal communities with these kids like they may want to save the ocean for food security and their livelihoods depend on it. And I also would like to save the ocean because um, I really enjoy surfing and I really enjoy being in it and I really enjoy the biodiversity that it has. So I think once we get around this sort of like, oh, like service or like, okay, a cause, like yeah. it's 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 less of like a thing we need to go do, but it's more of like a life philosophy. I think every part of my life is, is about service and it, but because it's, it's just about being connected with others. Like, um, I realized like visiting and working with all these different kids from around the world that I was just being an only child too. Like I was making so many friends, like these were all the brothers and sisters that I was really missing out growing up and, and, um, just meeting everyone and everyone just wants the same things in life. And, and like you're talking about love, Becky, and really there's an amazing quote by um, Cornell uh, West, this American novelist and social critic, and he said that, never forget that justice is love in public. And that's it. Like it's, if you just, if you just go back to it, it's, it's all about love and not in this um, kind of infantile American sense of like, what's, what's being, to, like, what can I to make me happy but more in this um like uh, it was james baldwin who said it it's this love that um takes the masks that you feel like you can't live without like it takes those off and and it gets rid of fear and i think once we get rid of our fears of like the other and mm-hmm. and we just become more humble in our in ourselves and our place on the planet and we realize we're just connected to everyone and everything. And so we should all be concerned for our brothers and sisters. You're so young. You're so wise. That's so crazy. I think when I was your age, I was just thinking about boys. Surfing. <laughs> you still just thinking about boys. Too. <laughs> Let's be honest. But at least I have one. And I'm like, kind of going to marry. Okay. Anyways. So this podcast is not about rousing Shelby, but usually it goes there. <laughs> I'm kind of curious, you know, what's what's the best advice you've received over the years? Or what's the worst <laughs> advice you've received over the years that you think is being overused? Okay, I'll start with the best advice. I heard it said once by um, somebody that I respect and somebody who's been very successful. And it was surround yourself with people that are smarter than you. And I think that that applies to everything. You want to be a better surfer? go surfing with better surfers. You want to be a better attorney, 
surround yourself with better attorneys. Um, so I think that there is something to be said for that. Um, if you really want to master a craft, I think it really helps to have people giving you tips and tricks and um, understanding that their plight may be different than yours, but but really understanding what you know what what it's all about. So um, I would say that is a big one for me. Worst advice. I would say, and this is probably going to hurt my mom's feelings or my parents' feelings. I don't think they ever actually said this. It was just the cultural norm was to play it safe. You know, I, I believe that for me, that was, that's a dangerous thing. Um, you know, had I played it safe, I, I would be doing the same exact thing I was doing eight years ago. And I'm, I'm really grateful that I'm not, you know, I'm really grateful that I've had the opportunity and, and I created the space in my life to step into who I was supposed to be. And I think that playing it safe and just going through motions just to have a savings or, you know, a consistent paycheck. And I, I, I get it that we all need to pay bills and I'm not saying everyone should just go out and quit, but I'm saying, you know, there, there's a, a quote that I actually love to say, this is like one of my parables that I love to say, and it's a guy uh, praying to God. And he says, my God, my God, I want to win the lottery. Like all I want is to win the lottery. All I want is to win the lottery. And God says to him, my son, buy a ticket. So it's not like we just kind of sit and think, oh, of all the things you want to do and just like imagine them. That's great in the power of manifestation. But I believe that that manifestation has to be met with some sort of action, some sort of step in the right direction in order to actually give it a life. Love that. There's this ad right now that's running that says like to do something good, you have to do something. Exactly. <laughs> I, I would say that. just start is that's a piece of advice that I mm. have heard for sure. But I would say like, it, you know, anytime you're scared of something, you know, you think about it. If you think I, I say if I hear something or think about it more than three times in a short amount of time, let's say a week. And it happens to me with people, too. If I think of somebody's or hear somebody's name and then hear their name again. And then, you know, and then I run into them. There's a reason. And I kind of pay attention. Mm -hmm. Pay attention to your signs. Pay exactly. Attention. Our first guest, Steph Jagger, is really big on starting lines. She says starting lines are so much often more important than finish lines. And so to pay attention to your signs. So interesting. Yeah. Any any good advice over the years? Well, I, I think I'll start with the, the not I don't know if it's so much advice, but this idea that um, sometimes people will say like, oh, you're living your dream. Like that's, you're so lucky. Like you're, that's so, that's so, you know, you're so lucky that you get to just be on the beach and, 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 and living your dream is hard. It is not for the faint of heart. Like it is, it is scary. You definitely, I definitely second guess myself, third guess, like a million, million times. And I think that's the idea that um it, it's scary to take that that leap and um but i think best advice is is just one of my friends said it a very long time ago and it just always stuck with me but just life is short and you should live it like that's it, just very simple just to remember that we're all on this i think sometimes we're thinking we're on to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing but you know it this is a very short time that we have here on on the planet and I yeah, I think it's just very simple like that. <laughs> you guys are so awesome. We could talk for like hours and then go surfing and then come back and drink kombucha <laughs> yes. and make green food. But yes. I'm going to just kind of ask you guys a couple more quick questions because this podcast is supposed to be the length of a run. 
So if you're running, you're getting a good workout right now. <laughs> okay. You're doing great, by the yeah, way. Yeah, go, go, go. If you, if you could go back and tell your 15-year-old self, I mean, maybe we should say like 10-year-old self. No, um, your 15-year-old self, one thing, what, what would you tell her? Oh, man, it's, the, it's, it's that Oscar Wilde quote, just, just be yourself. Everyone else is already taken. I spend so much time like agonizing over the fact that I was – not catching on the material in school as quickly as the other students and thinking I was stupid and and so trying to be like the other kids and 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 I don't know there's just there's 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 no time to waste just I think we spend so much time running away from ourselves and and um you know, I also had this metaphor that like shit doesn't hit a moving target and that's not true. That doesn't, that doesn't work. That's probably another bad, that's bad advice too. And, and, um, you know, I, I started meditating, uh, a couple of years ago and someone once told me, uh, that yeah, meditation, like if you stop and you let the shit hit you, you use it like manure and you can grow from the experience. And that. and that was mind blowing to me. And that's kind of how I got into meditation. So yeah, I think I would just tell my younger self, like, stop worrying about trying to be something else. You're, you're fine. <laughs> Did we yeah. ask you? Nope, not yet. Okay. Um, I would say one of them would be what I said before about perfection not existing. I, I, I've always been a perfectionist since I was younger. Um, and so I think I, I think I would have saved myself and the people around me a lot of strife because I created these expectations through this need for perfection. And anytime these expectations weren't met and, you know, old habits die hard too. So I still struggle with it, but I, it's a constant reminder. I'm aware of it and working on it now, but you know, it's, it's kind of that thing where, you know, you're chasing something that doesn't exist. So don't, don't waste your time and energy. Don't worry. You know, everything's going to be just as, as it is. And that is perfect. And then the other thing I would say is, you know, we spent a lot of time, like Emmy harped on, we spent a lot of time being really nasty to ourselves. And I would say that, when it was put to me in this way is really when it resonated with me personally, but it's treat yourself like you would treat your best friend. Yeah, like I love why that. Really? the things that we say to ourselves, think about looking in the mirror on a bad day and saying, you're fat, you're, you know, yeah. you look at that zit <laughs> on your face. No one's going to want to talk to you. Your voice sucks. Like whatever it is that you're going through on that one day. And you know, we're women, we have those days, you know, that's, you know, that's just part of our, of our anatomy. It's part of what, who we are is having hormonal changes and everything, you know, what happens. And, and so I would say, um, you know, I would say, ask yourself, would I ever say that if you stop and start, if you stop when you're doing it, it's because you're paying attention. Right. And if you're able to say, would I say that to Shelby? Would I say mm -hmm. that to, you know, my brother or mm -hmm. somebody that I love, the answer 90% of the time, mm -hmm. probably more than that, is going to be no. You wouldn't mm -hmm. say that to somebody else. So why on earth, why, why aren't we treating ourselves with the kind of love and respect that we put onto others? Mm -hmm. So I think that, I don't know if my 15-year-old self would understand what that means, <laughs> but I would hope, um, I would hope that, that that's my biggest piece of advice. I, I think it would have made my life a lot easier, but mm -hmm. I'm, I'm pleased with the way things have turned out. 15-year-olds today are so smart, though, too. It is true. Um, 
ladies, this is this is so great. And I just want to tell everyone here, um, or you listening, that when these girls talk, they just smile. It's like the, the smile, their mouths are probably going to hurt by the end of this interview. I have to ask you this because you talked a little bit about meditating, and oh, right. do, do you, you you both are in demand. So you you make a living as as a nonprofit, but do you also make a living as a server? Uh, so I get support from Villabong Women's. I'm a part of the team. I just use my funding to um, work on our projects and as well as, um, you know, do some marketing for so them and whatnot. You are a pro surfer, but such a cooler pro <laughs> surfer than, wow, it's so interesting. <laughs> no, I'm not going to say cooler, but we'll, all right, I'm digging myself into a hole. Um, <laughs> Emmy is a very cool pro surfer. So do you guys have any tools or tactics, morning routines, things you do on a daily basis? Love to, to talk about like the type of meditation you actually do. Sure. Do you do it every morning? Yes. Um, I I try uh, to do it. I'm not perfect, but I try and do it every morning. As soon as I wake up, I I make my bed, and then I go and and I light a candle and I meditate for at least wow. at least 20 minutes. And at least 20 minutes. Yeah, I try, and uh, yeah, it's it's for having ADHD. It's 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 just it's been amazing. I'm so much more aware, and it's actually kind of cool because. I have trouble concentrating if there's too much stimulus, then I, I can, I cannot, I just, my brain doesn't work. So, um, meditations really help me to concentrate on one thing at a time and such so as your breath. And usually I, I, I just focus on my breath. I know it sounds really silly, but it, and simple, but it's just kind of the in breath and the out breath. And I, sometimes I do this type of meditation that's called Tonglen and it's um, from Tibet, and you sort of breathe in, sort of, you could be your own pain or something you're struggling with, or you breathe in the pain of the world, um, and you breathe it into a space in your heart that um, is just kind of like universal love that, and, that you carry inside of you, that we all have inside of us, and then you breathe out kind of that positivity to the world. So it's kind of nice to deal cool. with things. You can kind of put it into that context. But um, so, yeah, I, that's one of my routines. I do that. I, I meditate every morning or I give myself two minutes, but I do the same thing. And if it, I'm having something hard or something, I do something similar where I try and breathe in love and send love to like all the people yeah. who bug me, all the things yeah. that are hard. Yeah. I don't even know what it's called, but it's been working. Yeah. I'm a big Teak Not Han girl too. I love him. Yes. He's fantastic. So cute. I mean, I think you love everything. I think you're excited. <laughs> so passionate. That's ADHD a little bit. Um, I probably have ADHD too. So. <laughs> um, okay. So Becky, so I love that you make your bed. And Becky, you told me that that's your routine too. You make your bed every yeah, day. Yeah, I have, I have, I'm actually the anti-routine. Um, I don't like doing anything the same every single day. Besides bodily functions and taking my dog out, I... I don't do the same thing every day. I don't drink coffee. I don't, you know, I, I kind of just, I'm a, I stay away from routine. And the only thing I do do every day, even if I'm in a hotel, is make my bed. There's something about it. I, re, I, I heard it on a speech a long time ago. The speech re resonated with me. I believe it was like an, some army general or someone giving a speech to, to a college, you know, graduating class or whatnot. And so that resonated with me and I started doing it. And the reasoning behind it has to do with A, doing something, like accomplishing something first thing in the morning and B, 
walking back into your room, like anytime you walk back into your room, into that space, you'll, you'll be reminded that you accomplished something. And also that, you know, your world is not in chaos, no matter what's going on. Mm. So there's something about this like neatness. Um, I do, I do practice meditation. I don't have a routine for it. So it's just going to depend on what I want that day. Um, I practice Kundalini yoga, the soul of yoga and Encinitas. I absolutely love Kundalini. Um, and I do some Wim Hof breathing. Uh, nice. Liz introduced that to us and very, yeah. very fond of the Wim. Liz um, and I did Wim Hof at the exact same time. It was so weird. We both signed up within two days. Oh. I was like, I got to tell you about something. She's like, no, I have to tell you about something. Oh my and God. And I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty incredible. Um, it's pretty incredible. And it, it's it's really cool what what you feel happens to you almost instantaneously. There's not like a, okay, I'm going to meditate now and like kind of see how the day goes, you know? And, and, um, I do, uh, you know, I started meditating probably about five, maybe about five years ago, pretty consistently. I started with the Deepak Chopra, like 21 day meditation challenge. I love those. And, um, and so I started, you know, I started with that and, and those really resonated with me. And then I kind of just have my own, my own way of meditating. Sometimes when I'm in the surf, um, I do some kriyas for Kundalini and I, you know, I did some today and I swear it brings me waves, but yeah, I I have my moments and it's never at the same time, um, every day. And there's nothing, I have nothing against that. It's just for me personally. I just really enjoy kind of spontaneity and doing what I feel in that moment. So you also eat really healthy though. Yeah, I eat really healthy for the most part, you know, um, once in a while there's a cupcake in there, you know, if it's, if there's a birthday, but, um, what's that other Instagram you have? That's all about your healthy cooking. Um, it's called natural remedies. It's very cool. And yeah, I kind of, it's so funny cause I actually started that, um, because I became like kind of fanatically obsessed with vegan desserts, even though I'm actually not a vegan, I just became really obsessed with Um, so I stopped drinking about three years ago. And when I stopped drinking, I had all this extra time on my hands just because it's not not, hungover. Not that I was an alcoholic or anything, but it was just, yeah, it was just that the time that I was spending going out drinking. And then the time that I was spending, you know, kind of feeling crappy about it the next day or whatever it was, um, you know, I'd have all this motivation and, and, you know, I kind of just had more energy. So I'd work out more. And then I wanted to like feed that workout with some real food. And so, um, I love treats you know, let's say I, I've recreated like a Twix bar or like, you know, the little turtles, like with so, the almonds and the caramel. So I became obsessed with that. So I created natural remedies, but then I started doing this other, um, program called the whole 30. And, um, I'm a pescatarian, so I eat fish, um, and I, I don't generally eat dairy. I mean, if there's cheese on something, I'll eat it when I'm on whole 30, I don't. But, um, so anyways, I just started doing these, I, I did a whole 30 and kept myself accountable by posting on this page oh. and it really, really helped me. And now I've probably done like five or six whole thirties in the yeah. last like two years. Wow. Um, but anyway, so that, that, um, that has, has kind of been a little side passion of mine. Well, so. I, th- I think what's really cool is, is I hope you don't mind me talking about this, but you did post once on Instagram about not drinking anymore. And I was like, well, she didn't even have a problem and she's not drinking. And I think that inspired a lot of people. I mean, even Johnny last year, my fiance did a full year, no alcohol. He's had like maybe two beers this whole year and he feels great. And, um, it's interesting what like kind of letting go of alcohol and yeah does to your time and mind mm-hmm. and 
body and I, I mean I've tried and give it up and I've gone for a couple of months and then I have a glass of wine and then it, I have tequila um, but I just think it's so cool and I love raw how do you say the Instagram? natural remedies natural remedies if you that. have Instagram we'll put it in the show notes natural remedies so we're sort of getting off topic but this is <laughs> part of living wildly is eating healthy and taking care of yourself so it's a big part of living out your wild ideas we have this thing called being an appreciatarian it's um especially living in like villages where the f- local families like yeah. cook for you sometimes i've tried to be like okay vegan or or okay we mostly are just eating fish or whatnot but then if a local family is like cooking this you know they yeah, killed a goat it. for you or something you should probably eat it but <laughs> so i've started this um, idea of just being an appreciatarian so just appreciating oh, what amazing. food is happening for you I, at that moment and not judging amazing. yourself for it i think you could start a whole movement on the appreciation. we already have a symbol it's um <laughs> yeah we're gonna have a wikipedia page okay soon. so don't steal this idea listening yeah let's take it or steal it but run with it and enjoy it um give her cred give emmy emmy cook credit <laughs> it won't be a cult or anything like that we're just gonna have a wikipedia page that's so cool you know Two more questions, ladies. This has been so awesome. You know, one, if if you could fly, we'll make it an eco-friendly plane around the sky and it could read one message to the world. What would that banner flying in the eco-friendly plane around the sky say? Mine would say it's one of our messages with Changing Tides Foundation. It's together we are better. Love that. And it's just, I mean, if that's a message that it's just, it's just forwards. But really, if you think about it and listen to it, you know, our entire nonprofit at Changing Tides Foundation, our whole uh, mantra, our whole message, our whole model is built around collaboration. It's not, oh, fund us and not them. It's how can we work together to solve the problem? So I I would think that, you know, for me personally, I would think having not just saying it to people, but helping them understand that together we are better would be the biggest message. It's a good message. Yeah. I think mine would say um, something like, if you see the sign, take a deep breath. And I think we sometimes always need a reminder just to, there's a beautiful monastery in San Diego or out in Escondido, a Deer Park Monastery, TikTok.com. And I love it because they have this bell that dings every once in a while. And when it dings, you're supposed to take a mindful breath. So I think if I had this plane that when people saw it, they had to take a big deep breath, I think the world might be a little bit more peaceful. That's great advice. Um, Ladies, where can people find out more? about each of you. Let's hear your Instagram handles, your websites, give it all. Okay. So for me, I'm, I'm my personal page and, and kind of my business page also is Action Sports Law. That's on Instagram and I'm on Facebook as Action Sports Law Group. Um, for Changing Tides, uh, we are Changing Tides Foundation on Facebook at Changing Tides Foundation on Instagram. And our website is www.changingtidesfoundation.org. For Beyond the Surface, our handle is uh, for Instagram is at Beyond the Surface I N T L. Uh, for our curriculum that we're developing, it's Coast to Coast dot Project. That's the handle, and then you can find us on the World Wide Web at www.beyondthesurfaceinternational.org. And then for our curriculum, it's Coast to Coast Project dot org. And what about you? 
on oh, Instagram? Do you I, have your own? Yeah, so I started my Instagram account when it was just going to be beyond the surface. So I'm kind of mushed right awesome. in the mix of it all. Ladies, thank you so much for coming on Wild Ideas Worth Living. Thanks to Toad & Co., which is such a great company for sponsoring it. They're all about seeking joy and finding your cause. So it's been such a great sponsor. And they 90% of everything they make is sustainable. And they give Sweet. a portion back to empowering people with different abilities and disabilities to do adventures. It's so cool. So ladies, thank you again for coming on. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much for having us. Put all this information in the show notes. These girls are up to so much greatness and it keeps evolving. I'll have links to everything they're up to in the show notes. And right now with Changing Tides Foundation, because it was just Earth Day and now it's Earth Week, they've created the Plastic Swear Jar Challenge. I'm participating right now. You can too. All you have to do is get out a jar, label it your Plastic Swear Jar Challenge. And every time you use a plastic bottle or a plastic wrapper or any piece of plastic, throw a dollar into the jar. You'll be amazed at how much plastic you use and you might even start using less. At the end of the month, at the end of the year, you can donate that money to an environmental cause like the Changing Tides Foundation or any environmental organization of your choice. I hope you enjoyed this show. Thanks again for listening. Thanks to all of you for subscribing and thanks for writing awesome reviews on iTunes. I love it when we get reviews because it really helps the show's performance. So I really appreciate it. So thanks again for listening. Wherever you are in the world, don't forget the best adventures often happen when you follow your wildest ideas. We'll see you next week. 